Hello and welcome to episode 18 of the Story Not Forgotten podcast, brought to you by Capturing Legacies. Because everyone's got a story to tell, Capturing Legacies is here to help you tell it. Visit CapturingLegacies.com to get started. My name is Liam Rathgaber, partner and anthologist with Capturing Legacies, as well as your host. And joining me today is a Calgary business, I'm going to say mogul. I'll give you a mogul. <laughs> uh, he is the founder and the and the owner of Knifeware, which is now uh, in Calgary, two places in Calgary, Edmonton, Ottawa, Victoria, Vancouver, Vancouver and... Uh, Future places that we that we will mention later on, as well as Kent of Inglewood, which is in I've already forgot Calgary, Edmonton, Ottawa. Calgary, Edmonton, Ottawa. And we've got a pop up uh, in Vancouver right now, so hopefully we get a full time store in Vancouver Excellent. for Kent of Inglewood. So, so basically, he's 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 got two more steps. He needs a a sushi restaurant and a comic book store, and then I can basically just sign my entire pay over to him. What about a record shop? Uh, if it's obscure enough stuff. Oh, that's what I like. Okay. So, <laughs> perfect. Uh, Mr. Kevin Kent, thank you for taking the time. Thanks for joining the show. Hey, thanks for having me, man. Well, because we do what we do without any ado, why don't you tell us a story? That's it? That's the intro. That's it? That's the whole thing. All right. Go. Um, <laughs> when I... Let's see. Let's go yeah, all the way set back. Set the scene. Let's go all the way back to, to England. I was working at a restaurant called St. John Restaurant. I'm a, I'm a burnt out chef. <laughs> well, I wasn't then. I was I was a good chef then. And uh, what this, year was this? This would have been ish. Two thousand and one, yeah. I think. So I was in I was in England from two thousand and or sorry, nineteen ninety eight to two thousand and six or seven, something okay. like that. And I was working as a chef, having fun. London's a great city, and I worked at a place called St John Restaurant. Famous, very famous uh, amongst the chefs in the world right now, but uh, really famous for what they called nose to tail eating. So we served everything in the pig but the oink. <laughs> uh, so if you if you uh, if you want to know who has cooked more uh, pig spleens and livers and pig's feet and ears and snouts and bone marrow, few have cooked more than me <laughs> of those things. So unless, I was unless working, you're at a hot dog stand, <clears throat> you're just cooking. A hot dog stand's different. <laughs> they 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 don't. They cook serve it. the oink. We, we served it nicely. <laughs> so I was lucky enough to work there, and I had bought a Japanese knife. It was actually a few years previous. I bought a Japanese knife in 1999 at a uh, at a chef's convention. So it's a like a chef trade show. And I went in. I found this Japanese guy had a little booth selling a few Japanese knives. And I looked at the price tags and they're crazy. And I said, wow, man, I said, I've got the best knives in the world. I've got German knives. Mm-hmm. I said, they're <laughs> super sharp and everything. And he went, oh, okay, why don't you try one of mine? And I picked up his knife and I did, you know, you know that action you do when you have to take a dull knife and try to slice it through a tomato, where you have to have a bit of a wind up and you gotta, mm-hmm. you gotta slice it back and forth real quick. <laughs> I tried that and then I think I almost cut through the cutting board. I had never touched a knife like this in my <laughs> life. So it was, it was just, it is what Japanese knives are. They're sharper, they stay sharper longer. Mm-hmm. And they, we'll talk about that later, but basically that's the big deal. This was the sharpest thing I'd ever used. In fact, I was a little bit frightened by it. 
so it cut tomatoes as, as thin as I wanted, even thinner than I thought was possible. And uh, this knife blew my mind. So I finally just said, listen, I have to have this knife. And he said, no, you don't want that one. That's the used one that we've been using all weekend. You want a sharp one. <laughs> <laughs> I went, oh my God. And it's that, it's that moment, you know that moment when you, when you drive, you drive a Volkswagen Passat and you think, man, this is a great car. You love it, right? It's like so great. And then you drive a Beamer M3 and you go, oh, oh, that's, that's a different thing. And it's not just like a little bit better. It's miles and miles and miles better, right? So over the, over the course of a few years, I basically swapped all of my knives in. Uh, for Japanese knives, mm-hmm. and I become quite a quite a geek about it. So I was working at St. John, being a real knife geek. Um, I was always a knife geek before, but this had, this had really like pushed my levels up, up to superhero status of knife <laughs> geekness. And finished up there and moved back to Canada. And when I moved back to Canada, there was no knives that were even half interesting for me to buy. Like it was just mass market stuff. There was nothing handmade. There was no. There was really no Japanese knives to speak of. No, because we, we have good knives here. The German knives. Yeah, yeah. Well, everybody had German <laughs> knives. Um, so I thought I will use my contact in Japan to help me introduce somebody, or in in, in London, my contact in London mm-hmm. to introduce me to someone in Japan. So my plan was, and you know that you know that weed dealer at uh, at university. Now I never went to university, but I saw lots of films about university. Yeah, and I've heard stories about the weed from the big kids. Oh, well, apparently, apparently some, apparently in some universities, there's a kid that sells weed just so he can buy weed. (laughs) My goal was to sell a few knives to chefs around town so I could afford some more knives. That was it. That was the whole business plan. So I I brought in my first shipment of knives. We had a little party at uh, at a local cooking school, Mm -hmm. invited all the chefs I knew, basically just called people around and said, hey, come in and see these knives. Uh, I think I sold one that day which was nice. And then after that, basically chefs in town knew I had knives. So they would just call me up and say, Hey Kevin, can I see the knives? And I'd, I'd take my, 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 my treasure trove of, of 14 knives, <laughs> my entire, my <laughs> entire, the uh, store. my entire stock. I stuff them in my backpack, cycle to this restaurant, meet the chef, sometimes in a loading dock, Sometimes in the kitchen, <laughs> sometimes in an alley, uh, sometimes at the bar of the restaurant. <laughs> we'd pull the knives out, we'd talk about all of them, and he'd make a selection, exchange some money, put them back in my bag, flip back home, and then off to work. That's, it <laughs> sounds very black market. Well, it, it like did. You almost needed to have your, your chef's or your, your <clears throat> role inside your coat so you could. <laughs> yeah, it almost, it almost felt like that at times. Like, hey, buddy, want to buy a knife? <laughs> so. Yeah, so I had this gig going where I was selling one or two knives a week or so to chefs around town on my bicycle. Pretty labor intensive, but it was it was something fun to do. Really, mm-hmm. it wasn't it wasn't for me. It wasn't a, a career path. I wasn't looking to get anywhere with this, other than to buy some more knives I couldn't afford. That was the big that was the big thing. I just wanted more knives because mm-hmm. I wanted a restaurant, <laughs> and so that was that started what July two thousand seven. By November 2007, I had a little table selling my knives at a, at a little uh, Italian store in town, mm-hmm. which made perfect sense. Handmade Japanese knives in an Italian store. Okay, it made no sense at all. But it worked. But it's one of the places that the chefs would go. But it was, yeah, it was a place that the chefs would go, or people like cooking. Yeah. Right? Um, so 
that kind of started working. And I thought, oh, this is fun. Well, and then I thought maybe one day, maybe one day we could have a small kiosk somewhere. Wouldn't that be fun? <laughs> so that was November, December. And I was working at a, at a really busy restaurant there. I was a sous chef in Calgary at that time. It is a super busy restaurant, super busy over Christmas. Mm-hmm. And the Herald published a very, very tiny five-sentence article about me and published my cell phone number. <laughs> well, I didn't have a store. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no store. So they said, oh, hey, uh, local chef, handmade Japanese knives, really cool. Here's his phone number. <laughs> so I started getting in December leading up to Christmas. And mind you, I'm working whew, 12, 14-hour days, six mm-hmm. days a week at this point. Busy, 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 busy. And, uh, and my phone is ringing off the hook. Like I'm getting 12, 14 phone calls a day. So I start meeting people in my kitchen, <laughs> at my house. Um, I start using uh, Calgary Farmer's Market. Mm-hmm. So I was, I was an unofficial vendor at the Calgary Farmer's Market. <laughs> I took up one of the standing tables beside Phil and Sebastian's coffee shop. <laughs> there, so they, they just opened their coffee shop. And I took up their last backstanding table and just had my knives ready to go. And people would come in and they would say, oh, are you Kevin? I'm like, yeah. Just pull the knives out <laughs> and then illegally sell them a knife at the Calgary Farmer's Market. Which, by the way, we're a vendor at the Calgary Farmer's yeah. Market now. Yeah, they're paying their dues now. <laughs> so it's okay. Um, so that rolled around. that, and then, and then, of course, the end of the year came. And luckily, I didn't have a job anymore. The chef and I decided that I shouldn't work there anymore. <laughs> I think it was I quit and then it was the no, you're fired. It was one of those scenarios. Yeah, you can't quit, you're fired. Yeah. You can't yeah. fire me, I quit. <clears throat> there was a lot of uh, middle fingers and bad words and aprons throwing. Ooh. Oh, it was fun. It was good. It was drama. And then I thought, oh dear, what am I going to do? I'm kind of disenchanted with cooking at this point. And the knife thing almost seems like it might be an option. So I expanded my table at the Italian shop. I, I rented their closet. So I had a 10 foot by 11 foot closet. It was 10 foot by 10 foot at one corner and 10 foot by 11 at the other. It wasn't square. And we put some furniture in there and threw some knives in there. And that was our first store. And I guess that was February, 2008. By January, 2009, we'd moved into our knifeware store on 9th Avenue that we have mm-hmm. now. And, and then it just kind of grew from there. So my plan, like I said, was to have a, was to have a restaurant. And then next thing I know, I've got a, I've got a kitchen knife store. And then we opened a store in Kelowna Mm -hmm. because we had a staff member that quit to move to Kelowna. And I said, you shouldn't quit. (laughs) You should run our store there. You can't quit. You're hired. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) You can't quit. You're hired. I'll build a store for you. So we did that, and then we opened a farmer's market knifeware in Calgary. So finally paying my dues there. Mm -hmm. Um, And then shortly after that, we opened an Edmonton pop-up for three months over Christmas. And then we opened an Ottawa knifeware store. And then we opened an Edmonton knifeware (laughs) store. And then we opened Kent of Inglewood across the street from knifeware in Calgary, Mm -hmm. which does... uh, I guess you, maybe you don't know. The, the knifeware does Japanese kitchen knives. Kent of Inglewood does like uh, straight razors and and uh, old-fashioned shaving and grooming gear for men yes. and Tra- axes. Yeah, traditional men's face stuff plus and axes. axes. And axes. Because what goes better than with a, a good shave or or 
a proper shave around forming the beard. But once you've got the beard, then you need an axe. Well, clearly. <laughs> we love axes. We're Canadians. Axes are great. Well, and hips, it's, it's kind of a hipster store. Hipsters typically dress like lumberjacks for some reason. So, yeah, get them at an axe. Oh, no. I don't think I'm a hipster. I'm too old to be a hipster, but I have a big beard currently and a plaid shirt. I, I avoid any way of describing myself as a hipster, and then I look at my mustache. I'm like, ah. Oh. Uh, you got a bit of a hipster look about you there, buddy. A little bit. Anyway, so we opened the Kent of Inglewood in Calgary, and then it worked really well. So we opened one in Edmonton and Ottawa on the same day, or the same week. It was supposed to be the same day we failed. And uh, and then we opened Vancouver, or Vancouver Knifeware mm-hmm. with a little Kent of Inglewood pop-up in it. So what went from being a joke job and for me a way, a way for me to buy more knives has turned into... Apparently, I'm a retailer now. Apparently, apparently, uh, well, last year we were listed on the Profit 500 list in Canada as the 123rd fastest growing company in the country. Which that's is ins- high on a 500 list. Dude, that's, that's insane. That's that's up there. <laughs> it's insane. Yeah. So you know, and and we're always one of the fastest growing in Alberta, mm-hmm. which is baffling to me because I've never had a retail job. No, you just wanted hey. you just wanted to cook stuff. And you needed the tools wow. to do it, so you, you developed a self-sustaining hobby that changed your life. Well, the whole the whole idea of the knife shop when we first opened it was so that um, I wanted to make a knife shop that I liked. Mm-hmm. Like, I wanted to make a knife shop that I wanted to go and hang out with or hang out at. So we always equated it to, like, old record shops that were great and comic book stores. Because they're kind of a place you go. They're kind of a place you hang out. There's sometimes a place you meet people. They're sometimes social. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and there's sometimes, there's always a place I, I leave with something. <laughs> it just happens, right? Well, in Knifeware, you really have fostered that feeling that you're not necessarily going there to shop. That, yeah, it's a store. I, I know that I have dumped uh, obscene chunks of cash And, and thank there. you for that. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. I'm, I'm sure by the standards of your, your usual clientele, I'm, I'm, you know, small fish, but, you know, I'm, I'm poor and I've spent big money there. So. <laughs> well, it's, it's, you don't even have to spend big money. That's the thing, right? We, we, we always try to fight this elitism. I think... I think uh, well, you've got such a wide range. You, you can go in there as somebody just, okay, I need something. I, I've got what cash is on me. And you can get something that is better than what you would get elsewhere for around the same money. Right yeah. up to the the the, the can, super high end prestige materials. You can spend crazy money. I <laughs> my stuff, and we said we wanted to to talk sort of about the the culture there. So let me tell a story, which I haven't done since episode two. Oh, good. Uh, the first time I went to Knifeware, uh, this was back when I was uh, back when I was married. This was many many years ago. Um, my wife and I had this. Had sort of a, a good setup when where meals were concerned was that she was a, a a remarkably good cook, which you wouldn't expect it to look at her because she 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 had that supermodel build and you wouldn't expect her to make really tasty, really fatty, good stuff. <laughs> but she hated doing prep, whereas I really enjoyed doing prep, crap cook. Like I could get stuff ready to cook, and then I could hand it to her, and that's between a, that's the a, two of really us, we, we could make a good meal. But we were, you know, we we. I was working at a bank, which you know, despite doing tens of billions of dollars worth of syndication loans, was my job. I was making like twenty eight grand a year, 
and and she was making about the same at that time. So we it's not that we had a lot of money, but it was uh, my birthday had just come up, and I, I was using these you know Walmart knives, and she said I found this place. <laughs> Your birthday present is that I'm going to take you to this place, and then I'm just not going to say anything with whatever you happen to do. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome so it's, yeah, it's, it's a it's a cool place and permission wow so i i, I, I so i go to knifeware she she had, takes me there and you know walking in it, from, from a poor perspective it can be a little intimidating because if you didn't know it was a knife store you'd think you were walking into a jewelry store it's got that sort of layout. It's got the display cases, everything on the, glad, on the lentils. I'm, I'm super glad you said and jewelry it's, store. It's it's a, we always tried to make it look like that. It, it's a beautiful store, and then you, you look in the display cases, and there's these there's the knives laid out on on the on the lentils, so it's all very neat looking. And then it, I thought it was just separations between the display cases. I didn't realize yet that it was. Uh, that it's butcher blocks in between the uh, the display cases. Oh yeah, <laughs> and it was you that actually helped me the first day that I went in there. Oh, and you came back. Yeah. Oh, I did something good that day. Uh, and you know, because I'm a, a, I'm a, a heathen, I'm looking. Well, I need to get a German knife, something good and heavy, something I could feel in my hand. And you weren't really saying much. And I was I was looking at the knives, and and Pat, my my wife, was watching you, and she kind of told me after we left what you had what you were doing was was that she said he was he was sort of sizing you up and he was watching your hands any knife that you picked up he watched sort of how you were doing things with it and that's when uh i had two or three nice big nice your heavier more german style stuff picked out and then you said okay now these are the ones you like now you're going to try this one. And you, and you handed me something completely different. It was this <laughs> Japanese, and I'd pick it up and sort of limp wrist it because what, what the hell is this? I mean, when you set it down, you almost have to put a book on it to keep it from floating away. It's so, it's so light. Oh, that's a great thing. And then you, and then you took thing. out a, a, a tomato that wasn't exactly the freshest. And you put it on the, on the butcher block and you gave it a little squish so that it was basically <laughs> the worst case scenario. It was like, okay, here, try, and you say, you know, try this knife. Give it a cut and right to the right to the block. <laughs> God damn! I'm I'm cutting this thing so you can see through it. And so yeah, that's that's the knife I ended up with. It's uh, that was a, a uh, it's a two ten uh, Masakage Shimo. Mmm. Listen, I've got the two forty, so I've got one that's two hundred forty millimeters, mm-hmm. so just slightly bigger, about ten inches long. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got a lot of knives. I might really. I can buy. I <laughs> I have over a hundred. I've stopped counting. Um, anyway, I've got that two forty Shimo, so slightly bigger than yours, and not listen, that it's I'm a competition. No, 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 it's not a competition. It's just every everybody has a different size that's more comfortable mm-hmm. for them, right? I'm pretty confident with knives. I've been a chef my whole life. I'm a big guy. Like I, I don't yeah. mind using a big knife at all. In fact, I prefer it. It's what I'm comfortable with. But I'm just excited that you have the same knife from the same line because, like I said, I have a lot of knives, and I keep going back to that one. I think that's my favorite knife. That is, and it's not the most expensive knife by any means. No, and even in the Masakage line, it's kind of mid range. Yeah, it's it's about a mid range knife at our shop, Mm -hmm. and but it 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 blows everything you're going to find anywhere else out of the water. Right, it's a a fantastic knife. It's super sharp. It's super easy to sharpen. It looks great. 
great. And it's the the, the that crosshatched uh, Damascus pattern from the. I think he said he has like sort of an X shaped hammer that he uses when he's hammering yeah. out the Damascus, and it looks like frost on a window. And you know, Shimo is Japanese for frost. Yeah, think. yeah, like, yeah. Exactly. You're, you're like giving frost, me the story, like the frost on the window. It's yeah. exactly that. And, and it's a it's a beautiful knife, and it's it was completely not what I had showed up looking for. <laughs> that happens. Like I, I had come in, I knew what I wanted, and, and you knew what I needed, and, and you and you sold me that one, and it blows me away even now. Like uh, this was you've had this a long time. I've like had that a long seven years, time. maybe. Yeah, N- knifeware was still. It was just past the the grand opening, I think. <laughs> like it, it, you'd been there maybe a couple of months wow. when, I, when I picked it up. And it still blows me away when I'm I, I, when I'm breaking out stuff to make a soup or something like that. I, I get Shima out. God damn! <laughs> God, listen, this is this is my favorite story because you you've just you've described my shop to me the way I wanted it to work. Right? I I, I think of our uh, staff like tour guides mm-hmm. that we are to help you find the right knife for you. So we listen to what you're saying, we watch what you do, offer some suggestions. And help you find the perfect knife, the one that's in your budget that you like, what you want to spend, and the knife that you're going to have for the rest of your life. Like that's our goal, mm-hmm. right? And the fact that your wife said, "Hey, come to this place; it's really fun." Perfect, because we we I always thought that buying a knife should be like the best day of your life. Okay, we uh, up until we opened, my choice in town would be like, I guess there was William Sonoma, there was a knife shop in a mall, and there was the Bay. And I think I bought my first knife at the Bay. Yeah, probably. So as a young chef, so excited. I'd saved up money to go and buy an eight-inch Henkel yep. four-star knife. This is the best knife in the world. It's arguable. <laughs> it might it's, not be. <laughs> it's the best knife that people have heard of. Yeah, and that's what it was, right? My chef said, that's what you got to buy. So I went and bought that knife. And I went to the Bay and I talked to a lady who had glasses on a chain around her neck. And then she went to the back to get the key and then opened the plexiglass container. Squeaker. Squeaked the door open, <laughs> took out the knife that was in a plastic package and gave it to me. And then I went and paid. And that was the end of my experience. I chose the knife I was supposed to buy because somebody told me to buy it. It came in a plastic thing. I'd never touched it. Uh, I bought it from someone who didn't know anything about knives and didn't care. Mm-hmm. And I thought, this is the bare minimum of experience. So we decided that buying a knife should be the best day ever. You're like, yes, I'm buying a knife today. <laughs> And you should be able to try it. You should be able to. Because we have sample knives well, for every knife we have. No one had ever done. was. No, nobody does that. But it's yeah, crazy. Try it. But we've, Use we've, this we've invested $20,000 in sample knives. Mm-hmm. So we, we've got a lot of knives out. Because we don't, we, like the knives on display you don't use. That, those are brand new. Mm-hmm. Right. But the so we have a sample of each line, so you can try. See, so it might not be the size you're looking for, but you, you get an idea of how yeah. it works and how it feels, right? And we always have food there for you to cut because you can't you can't buy a knife without holding it and cutting food unless you're online because <laughs> like not every store not every city has a store like ours. Mm-hmm. Um, so we always have a one eight hundred number two <laughs> for people who are just have a lot of questions. Yeah. So we uh, we we do the same on the phone. We do the same on email. We just try to guide people to the knife that's perfect for them. Well, like you said, when you when you went and bought the knife at the bay. You know, that lady, she sold you a knife, and then she went and sold some bedding, and then she went and sold some dishes and whatnot. Oh, yeah. She's, she's a salesperson. And this is the same way, like, for years I sold motorcycles. And 
the thing I always said was I'm, I'm not a salesman. I'm a customer service guy. I'm not, I might not get the sale the first time they come in, but the person that buys a bike from me gets the right bike because I'm going to go through the process. Well, and, that's, and, that's, and you have customer service people there, not salespeople. Yeah, we, we think of them like tour guides yeah. almost. Because, like I said, we want to build a business for 100 years, right? We could, we could hire high-pressure salespeople and push you into expensive knives all day long. We'd probably have higher sales than we do now, but there's no longevity to that. And, there's, right? and there, people we're, wouldn't come back. No, exactly. There's no longevity. We're not going to see the same people again and again and again. I want to see the same people again because I want them to come back and go. I want them to tell me the story like you did. when you say, I still get excited using this knife. I do. Right? And you remember, you remember the first time you used it, right? Oh, yeah. Because I know the first time I used a Japanese, I told you, it's it, it's stuck in my brain. I remember the whole event because it was eye-opening. Well, it is one of those things is I get other people to use it. Because <laughs> it's exciting. If, if right? I you want to share your passion. Well, if I'm having a dinner party and say I've just made a pork roast, something pretty simple. And, you know, I could I could carve and, and, and do that. But, you know, this guy hasn't tried a masakage. <laughs> here, here, you you carve. And I, I remember I was having a dinner party and it was a pork pork roast and it was glazed. And so when you're when you're using a normal knife, you press into the glaze to to get through that, and then you sort of saw your way through. Yeah. And I hand it to a buddy of mine, and he goes and he presses through the glaze, <laughs> and it basically just chops it right through to the cutting board. And you get the same look. I'm, I'm sure you've seen that face a, a thousand times now. The first cut. And then the eyes sort of go yeah. wide, and it, it, it touches the cutting board, and people don't move for a few seconds. Yeah, like your, often, your brain has to catch up with the cut. That your your brain is still sawing when it when the knife is done. <laughs> we call that the holy shit moment <laughs> because that's probably the most common thing that people say. Even the dentist wives that come in, like, <laughs> even very proper people, they cut with the knife for the first time and go, "Holy shit! Holy shit!" <laughs> Just a little bit under their breath. Well, I, I waved it around, waiting for the lightsaber noises. <laughs> But then I came back. Oh to, man, you've made my day. This is this is the best news ever. I've come back to the store several times. When I got the first knife, you also sold me the uh, the ceramic honing rod. Essential. And, you you got you got to use that to use keep it and, sharp, right? And more importantly, you told me how to use it. It's not that zing 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 that you see everybody do with it with yeah, a honing yeah, rod. Yeah, don't do that. You said <laughs> it's like cutting a donair. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you plunk it down. And then at about an eight degree angle, you take a couple of long slices off either side and that's it. Whereas that's you see you people at about a 45 degree angle and they do 30 of them because it makes a cool sound. Yeah, but it doesn't do anything. It's making the knife worse. Mm-hmm. Oh, well. And, and then after that, came back again and did one of your Cut, cut Like a Chef classes. Ah, did you? Which uh, was one that you were... This was still early on. You were teaching. I'm you not sure back, if you're the back, one still back doing. When them. I was the employee of the month, <laughs> I, the, the only employee. <laughs> and, and did this? Did the cut like a chef class? And I brought my uh, my Shimo with me because I was thinking, well, I've had it. I think I'd had it for about a year at that point. I thought maybe take it in, get it uh, get it sharpened up while I'm there. Because you know, <laughs> I don't know any better. I'm yeah. a, I'm a Neanderthal, and I just I sort of had it in front of me because with the cut like a chef class. Take the cut like a chef class. It's awesome. I'm going to get that plug in right now because it was oh, a, thanks, it was man. a super fun class and it taught me a lot. Well, that's the point. We, but you, we want you to be super confident with your knife. So if we can help you learn to cut better and be more confident, yeah. well, excellent. And you had a whole bunch of knives out in the middle of the table oh, because yeah. you're going to use a bunch of different stuff. You just grab whichever one looks interesting, do this part of the lesson. Grab whichever one looks interesting, do this part of the lesson. And I had my Masakage out in front of my board. And 
we get to I, I forget what it was that we were that we were cutting, but I grab uh, an Akira or something that I don't have in my in my arsenal yet. That's the next one for me. <gasps> you don't have one? No. You need an Akira. Yeah, well, I need a, I need money first. <laughs> but I I grabbed that, and then you grabbed mine. Oh, did I? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> and and I'm thinking, oh, great, he's gonna here comes the why haven't you taken proper care of this? This thing's dull as a pen, and just. And you come with it, and you're like, ooh, somebody knows how to take care of his knife. This thing is still as sharp as the day it was bought. That's good. I wouldn't have blown smoke up your ass, I think he, which means it was still sharp. Yeah. I, I think you had taken mine to do the, uh, the the pineapple demonstration with it. Ah, cool. So, yeah, you need a, yeah, if your knife's not sharp. That would not that, uh, Cutting a pineapple sucks. <laughs> that's, that's a really bad day. But came back. I I, I got my uh, my petty after the cut like a chef class because I needed something smaller than the gyudo. Right. And uh, then went back later. Got that this beautiful cutting board, uh, a large wood cutting board, and the <laughs> and the the, the 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 oil to take care of it. Because yeah. if I'm going to be getting a high end something, I'm going to take proper care of it. Well, it only makes sense. You know, you can have the stuff we sell. We. Probably bad business, I'm sure. People tell me it's a terrible business idea. Well, because there's no obsolescence we, we, built in. We, yeah, there's no obsolescence. We try to sell you something you can have until the end of your life. Mm-hmm. If you take care of that cutting board, you'll have it for ever. If you take care of the knives, you'll have them for ever. Right? Even as a even as a really busy chef, I did I as a busy chef and who was sharpening my knives weekly. Like I'd sharpen every Wednesday. I did burn up a couple of knives. Like I sharpened them until they were gone <laughs> or more or less gone. But that's that's unusual amount of work. Like nobody at home is going to do that. Right? That's that's kind of a restaurant chef move. Well, I I became a real a real champion for the store after I found it. Like anybody who who said anything about cooking or cutting or anything, oh, you need to go here. Because then I get to be the guy that told them about it. Because I like <laughs> to be the guy that knows shit. <laughs> and from from all of I've got dozens of friends who who are using masakages now, and I have only heard one bad story out of all of them. Oh no! And I'm sure you heard this story too. And it's not the knife's fault. It was a, a buddy of mine had bought a. I forget which masakage line it is. It was a higher end one than the uh, than the shimo. It's okay. I think it was a, a darker pattern in it, but I can't remember which one it was. But he, uh, he he's fairly well to do. He's got a, a pretty nice house. He had hired a house cleaners <laughs> I've heard this story from a few different directions <laughs> and you know they well while the family's at work and school and that the cleaners come in clean the house I guess something had gotten jammed up in their vacuum cleaner and they went to find a knife to get whatever was jammed in the vacuum cleaner out of it and they went through all of the cheap like that, the, there's that drawer of cheap knives that everybody has, and then there's this one in the in that plastic, you know, closed sheet. Yeah, let's use that one and dug whatever it was out of the uh, out of the motorized head of the vacuum cleaner and snapped the end off of it. Yeah, and then uh, and and then put it in the dishwasher. <laughs> oh, perfect. <laughs> Uh, well, if he, they brought that knife in, we would fix it. They, they did. He did bring. I believe he brought the knife in, but they did manage to get the the cleaning company to to pay replacement. 
Because oh, they, they, they offered to pay replacement and then offered him like 50 bucks. <laughs> He's like, no. Is that, was, that, a, is that, that was, a down payment? That was 290 <laughs> Yeah, that, 50 bucks. That'll replace the, the case that it was in. <laughs> oh, well. But that's that's the the worst I have heard from anybody that, uh, that oh, I know of that's fantastic. That's fantastic. And I mean, the, you, you're doing... You're doing great stuff. You're, you're, the stores have that, that sort of mom and pop store feel to them. That you go in there and there's a sense of community. And with Knifeware and with Kent, you get, you get that with both. That you can go in there and it's, it's not necessarily part of the sales process. You can actually go and have a conversation. Mm, you have to enjoy. Mm-hmm. You know what? I reckon there's, there's, there's several ways you can shop. You can go online and look at pictures and just click things and buy stuff. Right, or you could go to uh, a big box store and and or a grocery store and, and get what I think is the bare minimum. You can get a vehicle to drive around, put things in it, pay the price that it says on the shelf, or you can come and have an experience. Mm-hmm. Right, and I know if I'm working the shop all day, I want to have fun. Right, it's it's got to be a good work environment for me, so I want to have an enjoyable time, which means I want to make friendships with people that come in. Right. So we just we try to be hospitable, I think. Mm. I think it's hospitality we and education and uh, well and undeniably better products and it all works in the end. <laughs> well and having that experience gives you a, a deeper connection to whatever you end up with. Well it should it's, be fun. Like buying your knife should be the best day of your day. <laughs> like it should be the best day ever. I, I like, Woo, buy a knife today. Yay. I, I didn't just go buy a knife. I, I bought Shimo. And you know you're you know you're getting something good when when your knife has a name. He, listen, that blacksmith might be coming to Calgary next year. I'm going to have to go and see them. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, uh, so Kurosaki, make yeah. sure you get on a mailing list. I, oh, I am. Okay. Because if Kurosaki comes, we're talking about, he, he wants to start in Vancouver. And we're trying to coincide it with a festival in Vancouver so he can do a forging demonstration there. And then we want to do Calgary, Edmonton, and uh, Ottawa. How's his English? It's terrible. Oh. But my Japanese is getting better. Well, and we have and we have Naoto, well, well, our, you should, our cultural ambassador. You should definitely uh, come back on the show as his translator and get, get him to do an episode when he's here. Yeah, totally. That'd be great. That'd be super good. Yeah, yeah. We'll totally do that. And and, and I, I won't be his translator because I'll get Naoto to come with us. So Naoto has uh, worked with us now for six years, seven years, mm-hmm. seven years. And well, he's coming he's, up on his vacation. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, if you work with us for 10 years... After 10 years, you get a three-month paid vacation. Come on, that's awesome. That's, right? that's super awesome. That, that's something that I, I've never heard of. No, we've invented that. We've invented a lot of stupid things in our shops. We, we actually pay a living wage. Oh, my God, retail. We pay a living wage. We do profit sharing. We do a health spending account. So if you need glasses or teeth cleaning, it comes out of that. You can, you can get money for that. We have uh, paid sick days. We have Champagne Saturdays. It's almost like you treat your employees like they're people of some sort. Well, you know what? It's really handy because I have to see these people every day. It's nice that we get along. Mm -hmm. It's nice to keep the same people all the time. And I think if, if, uh, I think you get really terrible service from a store where everybody's struggling and they have a second job and they hate their job. So why don't we just create a work environment where people might actually enjoy themselves, pay them enough money so they're not struggling. You know, share the profits with them. So if the company does well, they get a share of that. And give them a great staff discount, which thankfully will not be taxed now. 
because the government was talking about tax yeah. and tax staff <laughs> discount and I was losing my mind. Um, I was going to fight that hard. And uh, yeah, we just want to make sure it's, it's like a, we, we build a community with our staff and we don't want to see them struggle so that they can build a community with our customers. Well, you know, having them that they want to be there instead of they have to be there, it feeds into that culture that we've been talking about. It you go in and well, have that experience exactly, and you can go in and you can go and see the same people because, like, when you came the first time, Kasumi was working there at the time. Yeah, she's the manager there now. She's mm-hmm. still there. That's great because as a customer, I love going. You know, I've got certain wine shops I go to, for example, and I go there because I see the same people all the time. Mm-hmm. Right. You get you that know, feeling that this is this is my knife like store, this is my nine, wine nine shop. Nine years later, I go to Metro Vino and I still say, see the same staff. Mm-hmm. This is fantastic. I walk in, they go, Kevin! And I say, hey! <laughs> it, it costs me more money because they also know they have free reign and they also know what I like. So they just go and say, you need this, 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 and this. Oh, and by the way, what did you come for today? <laughs> <laughs> so there's already six bottles put aside uh, that clearly were for me. And then I get to choose something after that. <laughs> Well, let's build up your community even more. Let's get some plugs in. So, of course, I joined the. I had to join the mailing list because of the way that you had it on the website. Because for the address, you had knife where, and then for the hours, you had knife when, and then you had knife join our mailing list. Yeah, <laughs> I think I think we've more professionalized that. I since loved then. that. <laughs> I laughed out loud and had to <laughs> sign up. But yeah, so. We don't, about the mailing list, we don't inundate you. It's not spammy at all. Oh, it's God, no. it's when, when there is no. something to say, it's sexy. Yeah, so you'll, you'll find out about sales and parties. We, we do great customer appreciation parties. So our, I gotta I've, brag I've about this. To I gotta one, brag about I've this. I've been to at least I, one of them. I love our knife, our knife work customer appreciation parties are beer and, and uh, hot dogs. Yeah. <laughs> and we actually had the uh, Japanese ambassador uh, to our last party. Like, so the, the, the Japanese ambassador to Canada came to our Ottawa party to eat a hot dog and drink a bottle of beer. It was awesome. We've had the consul general here in Calgary at our party. And him and his wife. His wife was in a kimono. And they were asking me, how do I eat a hot dog? <laughs> so I had to... Did I you tell to, them you eat, eat it like like uh, an ear of corn? <laughs> no, I, I, I was very good. So I helped them. I helped them eat a hot dog. So Because I think Knife Wars is kind of our, uh, our naughty teenager punk rock shop. Yeah, we take ourselves seriously. We, we carry good products. We, mm-hmm. we do great customer service, but we also have a lot of fun. And there is a loud music. We generally play the music too loud. And yeah, our you, staff uniform is is a rock shirt with jeans. Well, yeah, right? but you, you can have a mohawk and a tie. Yeah. well, They go surprisingly well together. <laughs> and so our staff, our yeah, parties there are hot dogs and beer, but across the street at the Kent of Inglewood shops, our, uh, <laughs> our, parties, our parties are a little bit more refined. <laughs> Still is drunken, but just a bit more refined. Usually it's cocktails and a leg of a barrico ham mm-hmm. or cocktails and canapes or something like that. Um, yeah, because that's that's my more grown-up store where, where we get to be a little bit more stylish. The staff uniform there is, you know, shirt and tie. Uh, and, and, and if you have facial hair, it has to be deliberate. Yeah. Or very clean shaven. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, with, uh, like I was saying when I, when I first got here, Nathan... Uh, at uh, Nathan, at our manager at Kentwood, Calgary. Yeah. If you want to see what what facial hair is capable of being, <laughs> that that is a mustache. That's the mustache that my mustache would be if it, if my mustache wasn't made of me. Yeah, Nathan is. I think fifty percent man, fifty percent mustache. He's got. He's probably got the most identifiable mustache in town. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
he's one of those people that he, one of these days he'll come out and say what species he is because he's a little bit too perfect to, to be human. <laughs> but he, I shout out to Nathan, if, you, if you're listening to this, you were the genesis of this podcast from telling your pie eating story. And we're going to get you back on for an episode to do that properly. The pie eating story is funny. <laughs> I was there for the pie eating story. But anyway, we were going to get plugs in. Oh, right, so, right, right. So, so you have things coming up with Knifeware. Twice a year, I go to Japan. Mm-hmm. And on those two trips, I buy lots of crazy stuff. I buy blacksmith experiments. I buy one-of-a-kind knives. I buy knives from blacksmiths we don't deal with yet. Or I buy things that we don't normally do. Like, we've got one blacksmith, although I didn't get any from him this time. He only makes Nikiris. He makes one style of knife. So when I see him... Because we don't normally carry that knife because it's only one knife. It's not a whole line. Mm-hmm. But when I do cross past them, I make sure I buy 20 of them and bring them <laughs> back because they're great, right? And so that's what our garage sale is, is, is weird things, one-offs, uh, new blacksmiths for us, blacksmith experiments, one-of-a-kinds. We also have some scratch and dent stuff in there. So it's like sample knives that we have at the shop that have been retired, things mm-hmm. like that. Um, a lot of knives have new handles on this year. We're, we... We also use the sale to kind of gauge public uh, demand or public interest. So we've got to put different handles on a lot of the knives as an experiment because I've got I've got a plan. I've got a big plan. I always have a plan. Um, so that uh, launches November sixth at ten a.m. at all the stores and online on November sixth at ten a.m. Calgary time. Okay, and the, the garage sale is online as well. Yeah, the garage sale is online as well. Yeah. at ten a.m. on November sixth, and that goes for a week. And if you show up on the Monday on November sixth. If you show up at 9.30, you'll be towards the front of the line. There, there's always a half hour kind of build up lineup outside the shop. We sometimes buy coffee and put it out there for people <laughs> to drink coffee to keep them entertained. Uh, because it's usually a lot of local chefs there in mm-hmm. the shop. Because they know, right? The garage sells great prices and it's stuff they can't normally get. So it's become, it's become a thing. Uh, and the other thing I guess to talk about is that... Um, November 12 and 13, we're doing a pop-up shop in Montreal at, what is it, Autumn Boulangerie on 6500 Avenue, Christophe Columbus, Christopher Columbus Road, all right, in Montreal, and it's a really cool bakery. Yeah, (laughs) so we're doing a pop-up shop in a bakery. For chef's knives. For chef's knives, yeah. But you you know who goes to bakeries? People that like to cook. That's true. And you know who buys knives? Ah, people like to cook. And people like nice things, whatever. (laughs) So we're doing a pop-up shop in Montreal, so Montreal, watch out for us. And we have a very bad English and Japanese, or English and French speaker, and a very professional French speaker. (laughs) But there are a couple of burnt-out chefs like us. Perfect. Yeah. So we'll get uh, links to the website up. Perfect. So Knifeware and Kent of Inglewood. Thank you. Um, I don't think I have anything else. Did you have anything else to add on? Any other... Plugs, any any uh, upcoming projects? Do you want to uh, announce your candidacy for prime minister on the show? Yes. Or? I'm, no. God, no. I don't want to get into politics. But here, we've got you some You didn't want to get into stuff. retail either. So well, it's not that I didn't. See how no, but I'm opposed to getting into politics. I wasn't against getting into retail. It just <laughs> happened accidentally. Um, so, I'm, uh, yeah. So, I guess our plans for the business moving forward. I think we talked about this, but I want to have a, a knifeware and can't even go to Toronto. And then we want to open both of those shops in Kyoto, Japan as well, which will be awesome. The other thing too, um, I, don't, you know, I don't know if you know this, we're, uh, me and my manager from the Ottawa shops, Chris, we're uh, creating a TV show. 
because somebody has to write TV shows. <laughs> Why not us? So we had started off as a silly joke last year when him and I were traveling in, in Japan. Oh, that's the other thing too. Isn't that nice? Every time I go to Japan, I bring a different staff member. That's a good perk that's for working nice at retail, day, yeah. right? Yeah, uh, there, there aren't a lot of, you know, public facing retail jobs that uh, involve international travel. No. So we try to make fun. You know, we try to we try to make it fun for them and try and you know what? And it's and it's really great for the blacksmiths to meet someone with a staff. And it's really great for them to take a knife making course and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Then they then they know what's going on. Um so Chris and I, what started as a silly joke, we started talking about this mythical creature called a kappa in Japan. And we started making funny jokes and telling stories. Then we started inventing new characters that might be and after about a, ten months of this, we went, Oh my <laughs> god, I think we're I think we're creating a story. And then, of course, we went, well, maybe we should make a TV show. <laughs> Got to do something with it. So what do a couple of burnt-up chefs that work at retail knife stores do? We write a TV show about a guy that's moving to Japan and is trying to fit in. It's a story about fitting in. And he, he is struggling. There's a French girl that has moved to Japan, and she's fitting in really well. And then, of course, our main guy, Ryan, he sees uh, a kappa. And now our kappa is a little guy. He's about... Uh, about three feet tall, three and a half feet tall. So he's a bit small for a kappa. They're usually four feet tall. <laughs> he's quite small for a kappa. And uh, kappas, it, I guess we have to talk about kappas first. Kappas are great little creatures. They uh, they uh, live in rivers and and streams in Japan. And they do they do naughty things like they drink too much and they look up women's kimonos. And uh, <laughs> so they're just pervs and like you know mild some a bit of mild sexual assault, I guess. And then, uh, but the, the thing too that they really like to eat is children and human flesh. Well, of course. And cucumbers. <laughs> so the cap is used as by parents. Don't go near the river. The cap will eat you. Right? Don't go out at night. The cap will eat you. <laughs> and so it's, it's, it teaches them how to survive. Right? Mm-hmm. The other thing the cappas do is they're very, very polite. Okay? So if you bow to a kappa, a kappa must bow to you. But this is their weakness. Because the Kappas have a little dent in there. They have a little dish on the top of their head filled with water from their river they live in. And if they lose their water, they have to wait until the water's refilled again. So they're, they're kind of paralyzed. Yes, ah. the poor guy. So if you <laughs> bow to a Kappa that's trying to eat you, he will stop and bow and spill all of his water out. <laughs> so our Kappa is a little, he's small for a Kappa, he's little, and he's embarrassed by the, the, the dent in his head. So he wears a beret to cover it. <laughs> that holds the water. <laughs> that holds the water. And he's he's not like standard Kappas because he's grown himself a little mustache <laughs> that he tugs on. He's like a wiry kind of Fu Manchu mustache that he tugs on a little bit. It's kind of a kinky, like kinky meaning uh, bent kinked. and, and, and yes. kinked. And he tugs on his mustache a lot and he smokes cigarettes and he drinks too much. And he's always eating a, a, a cucumber. And you see him in the background of a lot of scenes. And our man, our main character starts hallucinating this Kappa. Well, he thinks it's a hallucination, but... But you'll see. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> you'll see. So there you go. We're, we're creating a TV show because that's what you do when you're bored. Right? Right. Okay. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to uh, to share that story with us. It's fantastic. And it sort of shows that the entire journey of, you know, stepping out of your comfort zone, going with what works and seeing where life takes you. Like oh, you've, you've yeah. <laughs> really, you've, you've followed a fairly unexpected career path and found yourself in success. Yeah, you know, things are going well. I'm, we're quietly confident. So if you're in Calgary, Edmonton, Ottawa, Vancouver, go to Knifeware. 
It's a fantastic shop. You're going to get some amazing stuff. Go to Cant of Inglewood, take the classes, get the products. They're absolutely fantastic. Thanks, man. So, as we always say, everybody has a story to tell. Capturing Legacies is here to help you tell it. And until next time, Manny Atticutis. Oh! oh. <laughs>